Well, it's good to be with you. I did notice the lady playing the keyboard was very similar to the lady on the screen. So maybe they're twins, you know. <laughs> but it is very good to be with you this morning. And uh, just a real privilege uh, every time we get to be with you and uh, speak to you. Um, so as Andrew said, I'm Ori Logorma. I pr- probably have met most of you. And um, I'm excited uh, this summer... Uh, to be doing some outreach in Enniscorthy and uh, we're, we're looking at doing just some outreach uh, with you guys and uh, we'll give more details about that uh, in the coming weeks. Um, but I'm just excited about what God is doing in your church and in this community as well. I know there's a lot of need and um, a lot of people that are hungry uh, in this community in Enniscorthy and the surrounding area and uh, just excited about getting the gospel to them um, in different ways. Well, if you have a Bible, we're going to look in Psalm 81 this morning. Psalm, Psalm 81. Reading recently um, about a man that you may know, his name is uh, Tim Keller. He's the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan in New York City. And he shared an experience. He, he was the pastor of um, a, a, a medium-sized church in a rural area, not a big town for many years, and then God called him to work in New York City. And he said it was a shock to the system. Totally different culture. And a lot of things that he had to learn. And one of the things he found very effective was as he was sharing the gospel, uh, as he talked about idolatry, and it sounds crazy, but as he talked about idolatry, he said he found that he could connect with people. People often recognized that they were really hanging on to things in their lives that were enslaving them and really weren't working for them. They were dissatisfied. And he said he had many opportunities, particularly with young uh, secular professionals. Um, you would say, hey, I want to talk to you about God. And say, I don't want to talk about, about God. And then you would say, well, do you have anything that is controlling you in your life? And they'd say, yes, you know. And be, began to talk about idolatry. And so... I've just been really burdened about this. Recently, I was doing an evangelistic Bible study over Zoom, okay? I know we, we're, we've all been on Zoom a lot <laughs> over the last year. Um, but great Bible study going on right now. appreciate if you would pray for that. We've got a, a great group uh, that are listening to the Word of God, asking awesome questions. And I think it's really being a help to them uh, to come to that point where they put their faith in Jesus um, but we were we were go- talking about the Ten Commandments and about the reality of sin. And I noticed that it's so easy to quickly go over the first commandment. You know, the first commandment there in Exodus 20, it says, I am the Lord your God, you will have no other gods before me. And it's so easy to kind of go back past that one and get down to, you know, some of the ones that are more easy to define, you know, um, like lying and stealing and adultery and covetousness, all those things. But you know, it just dawned on me that that first commandment is actually the root of the problem. Is that as human beings, we put other things ahead of God. And that's the root of the problem. That's where all those other things come from. And so I want to ask the question first, uh, in the brief time that we have, what is idolatry? It has, it can help us as believers, but it can even help us as we try to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So, first of all, what, what is idolatry? Well, it, it, first of all, is putting other things ahead of God. Now, oftentimes when we think of idols, 
I don't know about you, but I think of, you know, little statues or, you know, worshipping a different uh, deity than the God of heaven, the God of the Bible, okay? But, you know, idols are not necessarily a little statue on a shelf. In fact, our culture in 2021 has different idols sometimes, uh, you know, that we are uh, concerned with. So what is an idol? What is a god? You know, if we're putting other gods before God, what does that mean? Well, here in Psalm um, 81 and verse 8 through 16, it talks about this idea, okay? Verse 8 through 10 are really talking about uh, going back to, you know, what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 2 and 3, and also in Deuteronomy chapter 6, you know, you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And that's what, and verse 8 through 10 talk about that. It says, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish or instruct you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign God among you, nor shall you worship any foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. But then he goes on to say in verse 11 and 12, he says, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. Israel didn't want me. So I gave them to their own stubborn hearts to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. That's so powerful to me. God looks at us when we're putting other things ahead of him, and he says, I wish they would make me their God and follow me. Because listen to the blessings he talks about. Verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would have satisfied you. And very simply from those verses, what is a God? A God is, number one, the one who rescues you. The one that you turn to in bad times. That can be God. It can be other things or people in our lives, though. Um, and that's, I think, what it's talking about there in verse 13, that a God is something that rescues us, okay? Also, notice in verse 16, um, God says that he would feed his people. He would feed his people Israel, and he would satisfy them with honey out of the rock, okay? A God is also the one who satisfies you, okay? The one who provides your needs, and the one who gives you fulfillment, and satisfaction. That's what a God is. I think this is a good definition. Um, a man named Jim Berg came up with this definition. Anything that replaces God as the primary source of comfort in our lives becomes an idol, a substitute for God. And that's basically what an idol is, is a substitute for God. You see, our, in the same way as a car was made to run on petrol or diesel, or I know electric currents now more and more frequently, um, but in the same way that a car was made to run on fuel, we were made to run on God, okay? And yet, it's, it's the tendency of the human heart to find all sorts of other things to rescue us, uh, to meet our needs, to bring us fulfillment and satisfaction. And idolatry is when we take those things and we substitute them for God. And that's what it's talking about in verse 11 and 12. God talks about, I am your God, I have delivered you, I have established a relationship with you, 
And yet he says in verse 11, but my people wouldn't listen to me. Uh, my people didn't want me, they rejected me. And I gave them over to their stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. And basically, idolatry is when, first and foremost, we make ourselves our own God, our own wisdom and our own strength instead of God's wisdom and his strength in our lives. First uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 uh, talks about the last times and how difficult they will be. And the first thing it says when it gives the characteristics of the end times, it says, men will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of themselves. And really, idolatry is when we substitute God for ourselves in our lives. And really, it leads to any of a number of things in our lives when we start worshipping ourselves, because then we find all sorts of things. Um, you know, when we look at the Ten Commandments, all the other nine commandments are really, as I said, they're really an expression of God getting out of place in our lives, okay? Um, dishonoring parents, murdering, committing adultery, stealing, lying, coveting. They're all efforts to make our lives work without God. And if God is first in our lives, that's the first step uh, to following God, obviously. Um, also, different things uh, can become idols in our lives in 2021. Relationships. And you turn on the radio and you will hear uh, the popular songs of our day. And so many of them are about love, aren't they? They're about love. But it, it's amazing to me, you hear some of the songs and really the message of the song is... I need you to make my life work, you know. And truly, romantic love is a wonderful thing, okay. It is a wonderful thing. But make no mistake, no human relationship, no matter how wonderful it is, can meet the deep needs of the human heart. It's really true. And even the most wonderful relationship, human relationship, can never meet the needs that we can have met in our relationship with God. So relationships can become an idol. Uh, money, materialism can become an idol for us. I remember years ago, um, got to be in New York City, and we went one of the days we were there in New York to tour a place called the Rockefeller Center. And it's a skyscraper in, down, in downtown New York City, Manhattan Island. And it's not one of the highest, it's not the highest skyscraper, of course, you, you know about um, the other towers that are higher. The Empire, Empire State Building was uh, taller for many years, and I'm not sure what the tallest building, of course, the Twin Towers were the tallest for many years, and now I think they've built a new skyscraper that's even taller than the Twin Towers were. But we got to go and visit the Rockefeller Center. And I remember the tour guide was taking us around. He said, it's named after John D. Rockefeller. He was an extremely wealthy businessman. He built this skyscraper, this tower, during the Great Depression. Imagine that. Imagine having so much money that when everyone else is broke, you're building skyscrapers, you know. And that was Rockefeller. He was an extremely wealthy man. Um, But somebody asked John Rockefeller one time, how much money does it take to make a person satisfied? And you would think if anyone was satisfied with money, he would be one of the wealthiest men of his time. And he said this, he said, it just takes a little bit more. And that was his experience of pursuing wealth 
through his life, he said he was never quite satisfied. He always wanted more. And you know, we think, we, you know, I don't know about you, you know, we all have financial worries at times, don't we? You know, I wish I had a little more money. We probably all do, you know. But if you had all the money you could want, you wouldn't be happy. You wouldn't be satisfied. Because God is the only one who can satisfy our human hearts. I loved the song that we uh, we sang at the beginning. That well, we it's very difficult not to sing, isn't it, uh, in church? Fair play to you for uh, refraining from doing that, but it, it's difficult to not sing. Um, but I love the words um, of the chorus. It says, "Oh, where else would we go but with the Lord of Hosts?" You know, where else can we go? He is the one who can satisfy our hearts. And so, really, that's that's what um, idolatry is. It's, it's setting that aside and saying, you know, I can make my life work without God. Setting Him aside. And that's what it is. Now, God's reaction when human beings don't uh, make Him the supreme God of their lives, He's not indifferent to us, okay? Um, and it's interesting that Again and again, God uses the imagery of a love relationship in the Bible. Okay, And, you know, it, I think it's possible for our Christianity, at times at least, to become kind of mechanical. We're like, okay, I'm doing certain things. And it's easy for us to get away from the place where it's this love relationship with God, where He is my God and He's the one who has saved me and He's the only one who can satisfy me and my, I love Him. You know, I serve Him because I love Him. And, you know, God is passionate about having a relationship with us and with all human beings. And it's not as though He obviously... Sin is is wrong, and it grieves God. But in addition to that, it also breaks His heart when we as His creation don't make Him first in our lives because we miss out on so many blessings. And I believe God values that relationship with us. What an awesome thought. You know, here we are, we're human. Uh, we're so uh, weak and insignificant compared to our great God. Um, we're so small compared to God. And yet he actually wants to have this relationship with us. And it bothers him when that relationship is not there. It grieves him. And you see some of that language here in Psalm 81. Uh, you know, he says, But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. And you can feel the emotion in that verse. That God is grieved that His people, literally, they don't want Him. They don't want Him. And then in verse 13, He says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. You know, that's not the language of, uh, you know, rules and uh, a mechanical system of living. That's the language of relationship. Where God is saying, Oh, I wish that they uh, would listen to me and they would walk in my ways. And so God's reaction is not indifferent. God's reaction is like, uh, you know, a spouse who has been betrayed. You know, a spouse who's been betrayed. I remember uh, when Heather and I, when we were first married, we lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we got to know a couple that were next door to us. 
And, you know, we got to be friends. and They'd come over to our apartment and we'd go over to theirs. And it was really nice. But I remember at one point they went through some difficulties in their marriage. And in fact, the husband had been unfaithful to his wife. And I just remember the pain in that lady's heart. Oh, it was, it was, it was so uh, deep and so real. I remember sitting and uh, Heather and I sitting and talking to her in her mother's house. And she was, she was just so brokenhearted what had gone on. Why? Because th- that is a painful thing when a relationship is, is affected like that in that way, you know. And really, that's the way God views it, you know. Like, He loves us. He wants to have that relationship with us. And when we go seeking after other things, um, it is a grief of heart to Him. And because He wants that relationship, but also, I believe, because no other thing in life or no other person is qualified to be the God of our lives. Again, no one can satisfy us but God. And if we put anything else in that place, um, what ends up happening in the long run is, at best, it doesn't satisfy us and meet our needs. And at worst, it creates more problems in our lives. Okay? And so, th- these are uh, important things. Can you imagine, uh, my son Sean loves science. Sean is 10 years old. I won't embarrass you, Sean, okay? But Sean loves science, okay? And he's always telling me about the latest thing he learned about science, okay? But can you imagine we put Sean in charge of a nuclear power plant, okay? As smart as Sean is, I don't think he's ready to run a complex and dangerous thing like a nuclear nuclear power plant. I mean, if you get one little thing wrong running a nuclear power plant, you can have serious problems, as we've seen, we saw in Japan a few years ago. And it's very, very dangerous, okay? So you want somebody who probably has three PhDs and has run lots of other nuclear power plants to be in charge of a nuclear power plant, okay? There's no offense to Sean, okay? Um, but you know, making other things the God of our lives is like putting a 10-year-old in charge of a nuclear power plant. It's just not going to work. It's not going to work in our lives. Now, I want to ask the question, you know, does this apply to all human beings? You might say to me, well, as we look here in Psalm 81, God is speaking to the people of Israel. He's speaking to his people. And that's true, okay? But the reality is, every human being was made for a relationship with God. Would you agree with that statement? Every one of us were made for a relationship with God. Um, In fact, you could put it this way. Every human being has a relationship with God. It's just broken until we come to God through Jesus Christ to have our sins forgiven and be reconciled to God. You know, I think the very fact that passages like Romans chapter 5, uh, of course, you know Romans 5, that God demonstrated his love toward us. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Um, another, and, and it goes on in verse 10 to talk about we are reconciled to God. In other words, the relationship with God was broken and then it was restored. Um, also, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 and 21, it talks about being reconciled. 
uh, the Apostle Paul says, we're ambassadors for God. We represent God. And we are pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Because God has made Jesus uh, to be sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the very concept that as unbelievers from whatever background, whether Jewish, non-Jewish, whatever background, we need to be reconciled to God, means that we are built for a relationship with Him. We're supposed to have a relationship with Him. That relationship is just broken. Okay? So the reality is every one of us is estranged from God. And the reality is all people, obviously, uh, the idea of idolatry and putting God first, uh, that applies to everybody. Okay? That applies to everybody. And so uh, all of us do need that relationship with God. And unbelievers, of course, need that relationship with God and life can't work without it. And that's what Tim Keller found as he's working in New York City. What he said was, as I would do Bible studies and services and I would speak to people one-on-one, I found that when we talked about idolatry, many of these people would say, yeah, I'm trying to make my life work with things that aren't working, you know. And he said, we did need to talk about sin in specifics, you know, uh, uh, later on in the conversation. But he said, if we started off by talking about being free and finding fulfillment and satisfaction, most everybody could relate to that. And that was a jumping off point for gospel conversations. I found that was very helpful. Um, So as we speak to unbelievers, let's not skip over that concept of idolatry. Let's help people to see uh, that it is important. We need to recognize that the first problem is that God has gotten out of place um, in our lives. Now, what does this mean for us as believers? Okay. Well, what really convicted me as I prepared this message was just that if it's tragic for those who've never known God personally to not put Him first in their lives, how much more tragic is it for me and for you who know God personally to not put Him first in our lives? And it can happen. It can happen in our lives. You know, we might very clearly be making other things or people the God of our life. And sometimes we wonder, why am I not satisfied? Why... Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, if we follow God, it doesn't mean uh, our life will not be without troubles. But what's amazing to me is how God sustains us through the challenges we face when we're walking with Him. He brings us through those times that are difficult. Um, but, you know, we might very clearly be making other things or other people the God of our life. Um, if you've got a Bible, turn to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, in Psalm 40, the psalmist, David wrote this psalm, he's talking um, about the possibility of taking good things and them actually becoming idols in our life. And God is saying, I don't want just those outward things. I want you, I want us to be in an exclusive relationship where I am the God of your life. And here in Psalm 40, If you notice in verse uh, 6, he says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. 
I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. And it's amazing, one of the the pitfalls of some of the outward worship of the Old Testament system of worship was that people could do it without really loving God. And that was what was happening. In, in, that's what it, you know, David is addressing in these verses. He's saying, you know, you just don't want me to do stuff for you. You know, as New Testament Christians, that can happen to us. We get into kind of a routine of, uh, you know, doing outward good things and it becomes some, kind of ticking some Christian boxes in our life. Well, I did this and I did this, so everything must be okay. But if we do those things, but there's not that love for God, if we're not looking to Him as our rescuer, as our source of comfort, as our source of provision, that's not the idea God has. There's more for us. And God wants that exclusive relationship with us. And I love what it says there in verse 7. It says, I come. You know, David realized, you don't just want me to offer sacrifices. You want me. And then in the next verse he says, I delight to do what you want me to do. Why? Because there's a heart that is filled with love for God. God is David's God. And the other things follow, not maybe easily, but more easily uh, than when we're looking to other things to satisfy our heart, not God. And so the call today is to give God yourself to make him your everything. And then let's call unbelievers around us back to a relationship with God because it's what everybody needs. It's what everyone needs. And let's frame the gospel in terms of relationship. And let's not shy away from talking about idolatry, from, uh, talk about talking about putting other things, replacing God with other things and people in our lives. You know, over the years, I've gotten to work a little bit um, with people in drug addiction. And it's such a tragic thing um, when people get trapped in that cycle of addiction. And I've done some work with New Hope uh, Residential Centre in Dublin, which is a Christian rehab that works with people in addiction. And I remember somebody said to one of the ladies that works with um, people in addiction in this home, the, the residential home, they've got, I think... Um, eight, they've got a capacity of maybe 18, 19 men and people will come into um, the, the centre there and they will, over time, uh, overcome different addictions. Mainly uh, drugs, but also alcohol and other addictions as well. And uh, it's amazing to see what God does in people's lives uh, there in New Hope. But I remember somebody said to uh, one of the ladies that helps the addicts on a very... Uh, regular basis you know only born again Christians can help people get off drugs and that was somebody who was not a believer okay but they had noticed through their and that person was not a believer but had worked with people in addiction for many years and they said you know it's something remarkable um, about the work that born again believers do with people who are in addiction you know I believe part of the reason why is that addiction is, it's like idolatry in a very pure form, okay? It's a person who is facing, in my experience, very often tragic things in their life. Very, very often. There's some very difficult things that have happened in that person's life. They don't know God, 
And so they turn to substances to try to make their life work. To sometimes to try to numb the pain of what they're going through. Like it's very real. And you know, addiction is, it's like nationwide. I remember when we first uh, moved to Arklo back in 2008. And I was from Dublin. I knew, I knew drugs were a problem in Dublin. But I thought, you know, this is a smaller rural town. Arklo's about 13,000 people. I thought, you know, I'm sure people won't struggle with addiction. Many, many people on drugs in that town. I was shocked. And what I found over the years is many people were hurting. Many people had gone through deep things in their life and they'd turned to drugs just to numb the pain. But you know what? There's something better than drugs and without so, so many of the side effects, it's God and it's a relationship with Him. And you know, many people who've struggled with addiction have found that in their lives. That a relationship with God is what we truly need to satisfy us. And so as we live as Christians, let's make God first and foremost in our lives. And secondly, as we uh, work with those that have not yet believed on Christ, let's help them to see that God is who we really need. And that replacing Him with other things in our lives, it doesn't work. But that we can be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ.